All right. Hello and welcome to the Racing Goons Podcast. We're your hosts, Tommy Gonkoff and myself, Phil DeRosia. After many years of discussion about the desire to start a podcast dedicated to motorsports, we finally made it happen, and we're excited that you joined us. In this episode, we're going to talk about who we are, what we are, and what it means to be a racing goon. So crank it up, laugh with us or at us, as I like to say, and as we get things moving right here on the Racing Goons Podcast. Let's add music. <laughs> Boom. All right. Sponsors. All right. Firstly, we want to thank our friends over at AE2 Creative for helping us get this off the ground. Andrew is not only a business owner, he's also a car nut and definitely a closet racing goon. So thanks to Andrew for being awesome. Uh, check him out over at AE2Creative.com. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate you. So look, welcome everybody. On today's episode, we will give you kind of like a deep dive into the Racing Goons media, its creators, and why we are here. Um, so, like I said, I'm with my buddy Tommy right here, and we're just going to kind of hey. introduce you to us. So I'm going to ask him three questions, um, and these questions are pretty simple, I think, right? Yeah, straightforward, yeah. right? But, so, I'm Phil. This is directed towards Tommy. So, Tommy, how do we meet? Well, first of all, my name's Tommy. I'm Tommy Gonkoff and half of the Racing Goons podcast. And um, so we met, Phil and I met at Autobahn Indoor Speedway back in 2013. Yeah, 2013? Yeah. And it was like the best season of kart racing that I've ever had. It was actually my first time racing in any kind of league, any kind of kart racing league, any racing league, period. And, uh, and Phil made like a big am- impact on me from the start as like the guy with all the confidence comes in there and I'm like, man, this guy's an asshole. But, <laughs> but really, it wasn't long before I kind of learned like, damn, this, this is the real deal. This guy's awesome, you know, and, and not only as a racer, but as a person as well. And we've been, we've been like best friends ever since. Definitely. Oh, thank you, Tommy. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, being that you're a racing goon, how did you get into racing? So, early on, I guess when I was when I was really young. So I've always been like really athletic, but um, my parents we we had dirt bikes and four wheelers and all that stuff growing up. So I started riding when I think I was like nine years old or so, um, and just really kind of grew a love for motorsports and. Um, and then not long after that, I learned about Formula One, and I was like, I was just hooked on F1. Um, so I just started watching everything F1, and then also pretty much anything connected to racing. I was, it was on TV. Um, but yeah, how did I get into racing personally? I mean, I've, I've been doing a lot of like sim racing and and things like that, PlayStation games and all that. Um, but uh, but yeah, it really wasn't until Autobahn in 2013 when I started actually like racing competitively in you know, in a league environment. It's dope, man. Yeah. Um, So, who is your favorite racing driver and why? So, I have, so my favorite F1 driver, um, current and and probably for a really long time, is Lewis Hamilton. And the reason it's Lewis is just because, number one, we're the same age. That's that's always been pretty cool to me. That man, this guy is the same age as me, and he's doing these things. And I've been following him since um, just before he made it to F1, which is GP2 at the time. And uh, I was always like, damn, this guy's this guy's awesome. You know, watching this dude just 
he was just such a smooth driver and I liked his driving style and I liked his personality and, and he's like really reserved at times, but also just, just on another level at the same time. Um, so I've always just had a, a big thing for Lewis and, and supported him throughout all of his years. Um, but beyond F1, my favorite like driver kind of all around that somebody that can do pretty much anything is, and has been for since I was a little kid, Travis Pastrana. So Travis, yeah. also somebody that's really close in age to me, only a couple years older, I believe, um, has ridden dirt bikes, raced dirt bikes, and won all kinds of championships, done X Games. He moves into like rallycross and dominates yeah. for years. He raced in NASCAR, might not have done too well, but he's still, he, he's just so good at everything. And beyond racing, he's good at everything else. Did he do some drifting as well? He, I don't know if he did any drifting, but he drifts the shit out of all of his rally cars <laughs> through the woods. And I mean, he's there are so many awesome videos of Travis. And, and what makes that even more special is Travis lives right here. He literally lives five minutes from where we're sitting right now. Wow. Um, and, uh, and I've met him a few times in person. I've been at a birthday party with him before. I mean, it's just cool seeing like that local like hometown hero Maybe. the guy can do it all mm -hmm. and and he's just he's just awesome so i have a lot of love for travis that's incredible man but uh we're gonna turn it over to phil now so phil what is your favorite thing about motorsports in general hands down is just the cars it's the cars i love engines um i love the way they sound i love the way they smell um i love the way cars go around the track i love the, the the tire marks that that are placed on the track sometimes when you're leaning into a curve or leaning into a corner um i love everything about the cars and what they can do and what they're capable of that's what i would say yeah that's all good stuff too so so you guys will get to hear philippe is like he is the fastest guy that i know he's like the top level athlete that i know personally really closely and um so how old were you when you realized that you were a top-level athlete? So for context, what he means by fast is because that can go many different directions. I, would, I, I almost wanted to say that, Tommy, you no, know, you're faster than me. But in the context of race car driving, that's what that would have meant. So what he means is, is running, like running. I actually was an Olympic-level um, sprinter um, many moons ago. Um, but to answer his question, when I realized that I was a top athlete was, um, I realized I wanted to be a top athlete in 91, 92 when I was watching, um, world champ, uh, world championships in my uncle's bedroom. But how and, old were you in 91, 92? <laughs> <laughs> I was seven. Seven years old. I was that's seven. when you, that's when you figured yes. it out. Yes. And then, um, I, I was just hooked from watching, um, uh, world championships, uh, world track and field championships in 91 in my uncle's bedroom. And then it kind of went on to the Barcelona Olympics side. And I just got hooked every year. And so what I would do was I would just point at people and say, I bet you I can beat you in a race. <laughs> like an arrogant little prick. And, um, you know, I won, I won some, I lost some, you know. But I think the thing that defined my future in athletics is that I just kept coming back. Um, so, yeah, seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. so, so beyond racing, what other things are, are most important to you? The most important thing to me, and just like you, I'm pretty sure, Tommy, is, is our families. Um, my wife and kids, 
and um, my just support structure are the most important thing in the world to mm-hmm. me and um, everything I do is to uplift them yes sir all right so why are you a racing goon this is this fourth question we're supposed to be asking three questions but anyways um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a racing goon because I love racing I love a competitive environment um, you know for instance I'll go inside of a barbershop right to get my hair cut or um, I'll go in any atmosphere where there are athletes and people talking about how good of an athlete they were you know they're always talking about football basketball um soccer and you want to know it's crazy i don't know shit about those sports on like a uh, forensic level but you talk to me about racing you know whether it's formula one indy car you know even drag racing sometimes um nhra uh, big ups to them um I can I can have a really nice conversation about that. So I would say I'm a racing goon because again I love racing and I love competing. Um, I love cars. I, I just love everything racing. I love everything that a car can do. How about that? Yeah. So instead of uh, moving right into our next segment here, I think that kind of opens up like what is a racing goon? Like why do we call ourselves the racing goons? Because we're has-beens. <laughs> because. <laughs> wannabes has been yes we just um, we we love racing though and all 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 types of racing it's not just f1 um but we do we love racing we love motorsports we love the competition we love everything that's kind of tagged along to it and um but yeah we love all things racing but but more than any other type of racing we love f1 mm-hmm. um but but what is formula one what is f1 um, it's the highest class of like international yeah. open wheel racing, right? It's the absolute pinnacle of motorsport. But uh, but why do we love it so much? Um, I would say it's it's it, it carries the most glitz. It carries the glamour. Um, these are the most finely tuned machines and drivers on the planet. Um, in my humble opinion. Um. You won't find a motorsport class that is so tightly restricted, that is so tightly analyzed. Um, again, I used the word earlier, a forensic. I mean, you, you have to be a forensic analysis to get the best out of these cars. Um, you know, you're talking about Mercedes, right? They employ, what, 1,500 like 1, people? 1,500 people, yeah. Like that. yeah. Just to make two cars go as fast as they can around the track. If that don't show you how complex um, this sport is, I don't know what to tell you. Well, I think one of the things that was always kind of, that always blows my mind, the the word aerodynamicist, like Adrian Newey always comes to mind. He's like the first one that I think about when I hear that. Coined that term, right, kind of? But yeah, I mean, he's the man, right? He's like, Mm -hmm. he helped develop the Red Bulls aerodynamic program. and, And those guys... I mean, they've, they're always talked about as having, like, the best car when it comes to the aerodynamics. Right. And, and that alone is something that, I mean, just, just having to create something beyond what anybody else can do is, I mean, it's just awesome to see, to see what these cars can do aerodynamically. Like, not, not going down to, like, how much power they make or anything like that. Right. Just what the cars can do with their aero, pa- um, aero package alone is, is just wild. Right. Well, 
in F1, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars are spent on, again, making these cars go around the track as fast as you can for, what, 22 races. That's damn near three-quarters of the year. I mean, the season lasts, what, from February all the way? And we're talking about testing, right? Yeah, if you bring lasts, testing in. Lasts all the way from February mm-hmm. to, what, December, right? Yeah, pull a few weeks out for the summer break. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I think the guy that's going to win or the team that's going to win is a team that can – it, it best it best combines the drivers, the power unit or the engine, and the aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's the driver and the engineers that can understand all of these variables the best and put it into a complete package. These are the guys that are going to win. And I, and I love to see that fight, like you, Tommy. I love to see that fight all throughout the year, the development wars. Not just the drivers mm-hmm. racing on track, but just the development wars, you know, um, you know, what team uses this amount of tokens? What team uses that token? So they don't use tokens anymore, do they? I don't think they have a token yeah, system anymore now, but it's anymore, but, but you do have limits on how many of this and that. How, I mean, their power units and the MGUK and all these right. different terms that you kind of you have to learn when you start, you know, right. kind of understanding what Formula One is. And right. um, it, it's, it's massive, all these different, like, technical right. uh, things that they're building here. It's, it's so much more than just... Just the simple, like, oh, build a car that has a motor and or an engine and build this thing and go fast. Right. Um, it, it's so much more than that. Right. And it's regulated so tightly. Oh, so tightly, yeah. For, well, mm-hmm. I think these guys were arguing over, and we'll talk more about the details and, and the regulations as we get through more shows, but uh, one of the biggest regulation changes are, are, are really just happened with the 2022 regulations and, and these regulations were aimed at uh making the cars race closer together right Tom? Mm-hmm. yeah and that kind of goes back to the aerodynamics on the car they had to kind of like completely restructure what the car is and what it can do and how it works mm-hmm. and um you know all the teams had to learn this and and build their own uh their own system based on what the regulations allow um so there is no there is no like single formula this is not one formula it's formula one it is who can use this formula that we have built and kind of exploit all these different um kind of variables in a different way better than your competitor and um that's that's the part of it that i love is how you know the technology with it it's just wild that's pretty dope yeah yeah i think if people knew more about what it took to to construct a a an f1 car let's i'm not even going to say a winning team but what it took to construct like just a car and what it takes to what it takes on the driver aspect to be an F1 driver, what it takes on the engineering aspect to construct the car, what it t- takes on the business aspect to run the entire team. People will have a whole lot more appreciation for the sport. Oh yeah. But we're getting there though, right? We'll get there. And the money involved in F1 too is 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 just on another level. Yeah. I mean, people the, the the places that you're going, the hotels that you're staying in, they're right. all it's the best of the, the best. best. The countries you're going to are, are opening themselves up to some of the wealthiest people, if not the wealthiest people in the world are going to be a part of this. Right. It's yeah. Yeah. In Miami, we had a plethora of just racing fans, well, just Uber high-class athletes we had what serena williams there mm-hmm. right and um didn't we have um we had a couple basketball stars there i think we had Wade. there were probably a lot more people there than you you know than they show yeah, michael jordan came up there um a couple soccer stars mm-hmm. i want to say ronaldo was there right was he not there i didn't see him being there 
Yeah. It's just a cool <laughs> environment. And I do think F1 creates the coolest environments to be around, especially if you get to walk the pit lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or walk yeah. on the um. I mean, having the, the paddock pass and, yeah. and getting in there for all. Oh, man. We'll get there one yeah. day. Well, walking down the track, like going going to a race and walking on the track that the F1 cars have just been on and going to like celebrate the podium ceremony and all mm-hmm. that, man, that's just, it's so cool. It's so much fun and it's packed full of people, yeah. especially if you watch like, of course, the, the one and only like Monza, if you watch Monza and their, their podium ceremony, how the podium like hangs over the track and how many people kind of gather for that. It's just wild. That's dope. That's dope. But, so you say the money though, right? How much money goes into this sport? Oh man. Well, what's the uh, what's the budget this year per team? I mean, that's that's one thing on the team side and running a business, like you were saying. I mean, this is it's still a business at the end of the day. But well, a team is not supposed to spend more than a hundred and forty-five million dollars. Not supposed to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> not what does su- that mean? <laughs> they're not supposed to spend more than a hundred and forty-five million dollars annually. On their drivers. Now, in recent times, it's been a whole lot more, right? I mean, we've seen seasons where Mercedes spent $400 million. Yeah, well, Bernie was telling, Bernie Ecclestone, the old um, you know CEO of F1, right. um, said to, I believe it was to Gene Haas directly, you'll need $1 billion to get you through two seasons in Formula One if you want to build a winning team. Yeah. 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 What? billion dollars all right um how much money how many uh, nfl teams can you buy for a billion dollars man speak well if you want to go a little off topic but still on topic lewis hamilton i don't know if you saw this. yeah yeah he bought the denver Broncos. well he's part of a part of the owner yeah part of the ownership of the denver broncos which is pretty wild so let's go lewis hamilton let's Let's go broncos i don't know yeah (laughs) but do you know how many f1 teams how many look let me let me just Google this real quick. How many football NFL football teams can are you worth, buy for are a worth billion dollars? <laughs> I'll just put can you buy for one billion? Let's see what that comes up with. Do, 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 do. <laughs> NFL's all right. Let me just go to NFL's most valuable teams. Ooh. Yeah. Shit skyrocketed in recent times, though. Gosh, the Dallas Cowboys are worth $6.5 billion. That's it? Fuck. Holy shit. I remember, when they, I remember <laughs> when they first cracked the billion maybe about 15 years ago. Wow. Gosh, maybe that's not a good question. But look, Dallas Cowboys, $6.5 billion, so you definitely can't buy them for a billion. Denver Broncos, $3.75 billion. We just mentioned them. Gosh, these things really shot up. I haven't really realized this. 2022. Yeah. Inflation, baby. Dang. Well, look, you can't buy any NFL team for a billion dollars. How about that? <laughs> but you can get through, well, at this point now, you can get through, like, what, six seasons in Formula One? Well, I don't know if I agree with that, though. I mean, that number right, is so you have fleeting. to build your facilities and all that stuff. Yeah. You need a billion dollars to get yourself through two years. Okay. Definitely. Definitely. Right. So Gene's got people. some deep pockets, then. He's doing all right. Well, I think his friends got deep pockets. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And Daddy Stroll. But <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But, yeah, again, F1 takes a lot of money. 
Um, and and usually the winning teams are associated with like a major OEM. For instance, Mercedes. Mm-hmm. They won the constructors past what eight years in a row. Eight. Yeah. You know who Mercedes is, y'all, right? I think. <laughs> so, if you don't, what what are you doing? Yeah, nothing. All right. So, all right. Speaking of F one cars, to kind of take it take it the other direction, what can an F one car do that regular cars can't, or vice versa? That's a great question. So, I love what like the graduated F two and F three drivers say about their first experiences in an F one car, and um, most recently, I've I've listened to a George Russell interview on what it felt like to be in an F one car versus anything he's ever been in. And he said the braking. Mm-hmm. They always talk about the brakes. Yes. F1, right? Yes. And he says, you know, you don't think it's going to break. You don't think it's going to break. You don't think you can break the car this deep into the corner until you actually do it. Um, so if we're talking about a regular car, what's a regular car? I mean, man, when you compare anything to an F1 car. Everything's like, regular, right? <laughs> it doesn't regular. matter how super your supercar or hypercar is. It's. It's still just a regular car. There you go. Well, let's compare it to... You got some interesting Legos up here, right, Tommy? You got a few. Well, let's compare it to that Porsche you got up there. What can an F1 car do that that Porsche can't do? I would say... I already mentioned the braking. You can't brake as deep into a corner. I mean, man. What? Okay. How about what can that Porsche do that an F1 car can't do? It, it can carry two people. I mean, it can. okay, there you go. It can carry two people. Yeah. That's pretty much about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't look at that car and say that thing can do something else. That the, well, it can play music. Well, but, I mean, F1 driver's it, got a radio. It can play. <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, I can turn it on and off with a key. You can go into reverse. <laughs> no, an F1 car can go into reverse now. Yes, it can. It can. Barely. Yeah, you, you got to go through like 10 different switches and whatnot, but you can get into reverse now. <laughs> okay, it, it can consistently use reverse gear. There you go. There you go. And you can turn it on. Buy 911 if you want to be able to go in reverse. That's, yeah. There you go. But I know F1 cars, they corner at what, four and a half, five Gs? Man, they, I mean, braking. Yeah. Braking, they hit that. Cornering, they hit that. Acceleration, I don't know exactly what they hit yeah. at acceleration, but it's... Zero to two hundred back down to zero in in a crazy crazy amount of time. Seven eight seconds something it's, like that. Yeah, something I believe it is like somewhere that. around eight seconds for the current F one cars. Yeah, ain't no regular car doing that. Well, that's why I love research. F1. It's time to look because we're gonna find one that goes zero to two hundred back to zero in two seconds. Eight seconds. F one zero to two hundred back to zero. I think Red Bull did did some kind of experiment with that. I feel like they would have been the ones to do it. So I don't believe this, right? So I just Googled that. It says, while it takes 2.6 seconds for a Formula 1 car to hit 100 kilometers from zero, that's basically 62 miles an hour, right? I don't believe that. 2.6 seconds? There's no way. Yeah, but it's they have a little bit of slip off the line, and then they get moving. It's more like a, like, send it from, like, 50 to 200. I bet it's some Oh, this is an added part. Let me read it. Sorry. While it takes 2.6 seconds for a Formula One car to hit 100 kilometers an hour, basically 62 miles an hour, it only takes 4.5 seconds for a Formula One car to hit 200 kilometers an hour from zero. 
Exactly. 124. So for another 1.4 seconds, you're getting another 62 and a half miles an hour. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. fast. That's moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's crazy. But other motorsport moving over into like rally cars, they're like they're like 1.9 to 60 miles an hour. Yeah. Those things are wild. Tanner Faust talked about how quick those things accelerate. They get up and move off the line on dirt. <laughs> That's insane. It's crazy. All right, so... 11.8 all... seconds to get to 300 kilometers an hour. It's 186 miles an hour. And then back down to zero. And, and I mean, they, they stop on a dime, so... I mean, I know, like, playing, playing like, the F1 sim, I can... I break it like the 50 meter board to turn into a corner that I'm doing 100 miles an hour on from like 190. That's crazy. And just send it in there. Yeah. It's wild. You don't think you can until like that last moment. You're like, oh shit. But of course in a video game, you just, you outbreak yourself, you crash in the wall, you back up, you do it again. Jeez. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite track on the calendar? On the current calendar? Silverstone. Silverstone? Mm-hmm. Spa comes a second. I was going to say Spa, but why Silverstone for you? Well, I like this little complex, um, this little series of corners called Maggots Beckets. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just quick left, right, left, right. Something like that, right? Yeah, it's left, right, left. Yeah. Come down left, go uphill to the right, come over the crest slightly to the left. Tommy would know, y'all. Tell him why, Tommy. Oh, you're, shit, you're talking about Silverstone. I'm talking about Spa. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tommy would know about Silverstone. I would know about both of them, I guess. Yes. But, yes. but Silverstone, yeah, okay, I'd know about Silverstone. I spent a little time there. Doing but as far as, as far as what my favorite track is... Doing what, Tommy? <laughs> what were you doing at Silverstone back in 2014? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Breaking hearts. No, <laughs> I was... Back in 2014, I raced for um, I raced in part of this program called the GT Academy with uh, Nissan and Sony put it together, and um, so I spent eight days over there and raced raced a few different types of cars in a competition. What kind? Uh, we were in 370Z GT4 cars, so they were like stripped out 370Zs, nice. and I don't think they had ABS. I know they didn't have traction control, but those things were a lot of fun to drive. Um, probably more enjoyable driving that than it was in the GTR just because the GTR was such a heavy car. Yeah. Still fun to drive. But then we also drove these little like F1600s or something, I think they were. Um, Formula Ford, was it? It might have been something like that. Okay. Yeah, they were just little lightweight um, open wheel cars and we raced those on the Stowe circuit, which is like the in like the infield circuit of, mm-hmm. of the uh, um, Silverstone tracks. And uh, that thing was cool. That was fun. Slow, but fun to drive. Um, And then we drove the, uh, like, the Nissan Juke Nismo (laughs) version. I mean, that was goofy, but it was still fun. We drove some uh, Nissan Micras that were just these old, like, 1980s, probably, Uh Nissan Micras with, like, a steel plate welded to the whole driver's side. And, And you're going around this oval track. And guys are just, like, beating the shit out of each other in these cars. And <laughs> as far as, like, the most fun I've ever had in a car, period, that trumps everything. Wow. Because you're, I mean, everything is so close. You're you're bouncing off of each other. And, I mean, I, like, at one point, I'm going into 
turns three and four. Going into turn three, which over there, it's a right-hand oval. So mm-hmm. you're turning right instead of left. And I go to turn in, and I see this dude, Alex, coming up behind me and just dive straight into my door. Jeez. Like, purposefully trying to just completely take me out. Sends me sideways, and I floored it, the front-wheel drive. So I just floor it, and the front end comes back, and I kept on going. Nice. And I stayed in front of him. And I finished that race in second place after <laughs> after a botched start because I had the freaking emergency brake pulled up. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> they didn't show that on TV. Yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah. Tommy's yeah. a real racer, y'all. That's basically oh, what he's trying to tell you. He's I like to have guy. fun. Yeah. But as far as what my favorite track is, okay, going back to favorite tracks, my favorite track is Spa. And that also had a lot to do with GT Academy, which Spa was the track that we had to qualify on which was on Grand Turismo, and I spent like every hour of my life back then just sitting down in my driving rig, racing, and then getting up, taking a break, getting back in, trying racing at different times of the day, different times at night, through the night, just staying on it and and missing like one apex and throwing off my my entire time and having to, you know, go wait for the next lap and just keep on practicing and practicing. And I ended up, I don't know how many entrants there were that year, but I ended up in the top 28 in the country um, and then moved on to New York and then yeah. to Silverstone. And we it were was, so it happy was just crazy experience. We were really happy for you. So, look, let me kind of go off topic just for a little bit. When I first met Tommy, right, we were both into GT Academy, our, our um, Gran Turismo. And um, I remember I was kind of bragging about the fact that I was like in the top 1,000 you know, of, of fastest drivers on Gran Turismo. And I thought that was just something to be so proud of. And it is. And it is something to Whatever. be proud of, too. It's not anything to be, a pro- to be proud of when you come across a guy who's in the top 100 of all the drivers. Now, mind yeah. you, there were how, – how many drivers would you say or how many times were posted on Gran Turismo during that season? When you had those oh, GT challenges. 100,000 100, plus, maybe. I, I don't know exactly what the number is. and I, I could be way off, yeah, but I feel, the, like, yeah. I feel like if it's not at least 100,000, I mean, it might be 400,000. It, it's something crazy like that. It's an astronomical number. And, and, you know, I was proud of myself for being within the top 1,000. But then think about how the wind got taken out of my sails when I come, came across a guy that said he was in the top 100, and he legitimately was. With I think you were better than that. You were, like, in the top 50. You know, and I was yeah, like, wow. that, yeah, I was up there. But but what even takes that a step further is you said that to me, and I don't know if we already knew. We, I didn't we couldn't know. have. I don't know if I knew at the, at the moment. But then we find out literally the fastest guy was at the go kart track with us, yeah, racing, racing against in us league. in the league. Right. So here's Philippe thinking he's hot shit. He's in the top one thousand. Mm-hmm. Then me, and he comes up to me, and he's like, "Oh, you're." top 100 get the fuck out of here and then here comes andrew and he's like yeah i'm number one, I'm number one. but he's he's just this like quiet dude he's yeah, like yeah he was he's very quiet yeah I'm, yeah I'm number one but but it's okay you know and i'm like I, dude that's amazing it is that's it a, is. and he's there all the time it's not like it's a fluke he just somehow like like he cheated or something no he literally is the fastest freaking kid yeah. on the game and he's still up there Right. To this day, right. all these years later, he's just nonstop. It's wild. So Silverstone, out out of all of that, Silverstone is my favorite track because I love the cops, maggots, Beckett's chapel onto the hangar straight section. Tommy loves um, spa. spa. What's your Rich. favorite corner in Spa? 
I mean, I going up through Rouge, you have to, like, it's just so cool coming down the hill. Like, you charge down the hill. Right. You turn left, and you send it full speed. You don't even lift. If you're in an F1 car. If you're in an F1 car, you lift in everything else. <laughs> okay, maybe. I don't know about the F2 guys. They probably roll through there pretty quick. I don't know. It'll but, be interesting to find out. But in an F1 car, these guys, as long as it's dry, mm-hmm. they will run right through. And the what's even cooler about it is they go through there flat out and you hear the deceleration as the car sinks down and like all that energy goes down and then they come up over the hill excuse me and they're like slightly turning yeah so you hear the car like screaming screaming coming down and then you hear it bottom out across like that depression coming or compression right and then the car lifts and gets really light and it kind of like floats over to the side over the curb man it's just i don't know there's been some major accidents on um there have been quite a few, yeah. And they even, um, I believe, was it 2019? 2019, yeah. Uh, 2019, Formula 2. Hubert. 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 Antoine Hubert. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Yeah. Colin actually had a picture upstairs. My son, I think at the time, so 2019, he would have been eight years old. Mm-hmm. And he watched that race. Wow. He, we talked about it for a while. and um, And Colin had drawn a picture and said for Antoine wrote wow. for Antoine on it and hung it on his wall which I thought was pretty awesome yeah pretty cool so rest in peace from what I the thing I remember about that mm. specifically is is when it when it actually happened we were watching it it was just kind of post quality right we were watching a post quality mm-hmm. event and um Lewis was being interviewed yeah and, and you see just seen the accident and you saw instantly how mm-hmm. concerned he was about yeah, that he looks up at the tv and and i remember he looked at the tv with like this um just concern and just yeah. like oh man i hope he's okay yeah yeah he, he was concerned yeah definitely and that place shut down for a while after that i mean right. it was that's that's it was kind of dark really, it was a gloomy really dark, moment yeah sad yeah mm-hmm. it's a dangerous sport y'all very dangerous all all motorsport and we've seen and we've seen a lot of crazy crashes that you look at and you're like oh shit that that guy you know he could be dead um luckily these cars are not only the most like technologically advanced cars when it comes to speed they're also the safest safest cars um which i mean having an accident at you know 180 miles an hour not peeing your pants at 180 not that kind of accident but crashing into a, (laughs) a wall at 180 right plus and being able to get out of a car and say right. like, yeah, my legs hurt a little bit, but no broken bones. Not like some of these guys don't even have they're like not even bruised. Right. So what makes these cars a little bit safer to race? What are some of the things that were added to these cars to make them just that more safe? I mean, the way that they build the structure around the driver and the monocoque and how you sit in this shell that is your crash structure, like mm-hmm. your own personal bubble that you live in. <laughs> bubble. But then Beyond that, what they moved into is the, it's called the Halo, which initially when they built this thing, which is like a, um, almost looks like this tube that wraps like right in front of you, like right in your line of sight. And it's just slightly elevated so that if you crash or you flip, this thing will protect your head from hitting the ground first. And instead the Halo hits, or if another driver crashes, cause we've seen that happen right. where drivers go over top the other car and the wheel like hits the other guy's helmet now this helps that from or supposed to keep it from happening we have seen it still um 
but uh, but that's you know making things much much safer. Who have just... we seen this year where we said to ourselves, you know what, if it wasn't for the Halo, this guy would be dead. That was at Silverstone with Guan Yu Zhou, yeah, flipping over on the start of the race, right, tagging. I believe it was um, uh, George Russell. It was George Russell, and then also Pierre Gasly, kind of tied up in the middle. The three of them all trying to go into one spot. George Russell gets turned sideways and drives right into the side of, of Guan Yu Zhou. His car just somehow flips over and rides on the halo and the crash structure in the rear of the car. Yeah. Right? The, 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 the roll hoop. The roll and hoop. And slides on this. Which is not supposed to fold under pressure. It wasn't supposed to crack the way it did. So you guys should Google that incident and see how that roll hoop crumbled under that immense pressure it just disintegrated yeah and slid slid so i mean at that point all right based on the the like the numbers that we looked at right it was like four seconds to 100 and 130 miles an yeah, hour thereabouts right mm-hmm. they were probably moving they were at 150 were 150 yeah when that happened so sliding on your head at 150 miles an hour and then hitting the gravel and having that throw your car up in the air into what almost would have been the stands if it wasn't for the catch fencing. Yeah. If that halo was not there, he, right. it would have been ugly. It would have been really ugly. Big time. But he walked away and, though, right? And he gets out and walks away. The car's wedged in between the crash, the crash fence and like the barricade and all this stuff. And he's like, he's trapped. Thank God right. the car didn't catch on fire. And he comes out of it and he's just like, all right, cool. I'm yeah. good. Send me to the, the hospital, get me checked out, but I'm ready to race again. Well, that's the difference between an F1 car and anything else. I mean, you flip your 911 Porsche at 150 miles an hour, I think uh, you're gone. Yeah, you're also going to be getting thrown around quite a bit as well, yeah. which in an F1 car, you're strapped in, you're not moving. You're, it's, yeah, the safety is just unreal. And, and it's evolved, but it's it's been just next level since, like, I mean, really, it's it kind of took a turn back in the '90s is when they when, started talking about safety in F1 right. much more. I mean, so many drivers up until that point had passed away. Yeah, when Sid, when when Senna died, you know, I think Sid Watkins, who was the medical mm-hmm. at the time, put a commission together to just to make this sport safer than safer. What, what it was. Yeah, which at at some points is like, man, making this a safe sport is taking away some of like the. Um, like the beauty of F1, it's like the most dangerous sport. It's what right. attracts like all these, you know, these guys, and they're they're the most badass guys on the planet right. to do this stuff. And but it's still dangerous. Yeah, I mean, it's still dangerous. Definitely. Do you have a uh, a favorite track that's not on a calendar? I don't know if I have a favorite track that's not just because I don't have. I don't know. I don't have much experience with many different tracks other than the F1 tracks because I've been watching F1 for so long, so I've gotten to know all of those tracks so well. But I mean, as far as like a favorite that's not on the calendar, I don't, I don't know that I could say. Um, What's like the worst an F1 calendar or an F1 caliber track that's right. not currently on the calendar? I, I don't know what that would be for me. What's the worst track? Yeah, what's the worst track? The worst track on the calendar right now? That's not on the calendar. The worst track. How about, is... let's just make it oh, easy. Man. What's the worst track not on the calendar that you're glad that's gone? I have a few in mind, but I'm just going to say Damn. That. Well, go ahead. Let's hear what you got. Korea, bro. Korea. Oh, that was man. the worst track ever. 
that was a pretty rough track. But also, all right, so it was on a yes, shipyard, right? That track, that track was something else. But what about like the racing that we saw in wasn't it Jeddah, right? Like how how that track is, and that's still in the calendar, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's yeah. dope. You don't like that track? But they talked about like how how dangerous that track is because yeah. you can't see anything. Yeah. It's literally blind corner, blind corner, blind corner. Like talk about Gosh, that's a having thrill, yeah, that's. That's what I'm saying. Like, talk about having the balls to be able to send it through all this stuff. <laughs> like, you can't even see what's beyond the turn that you're making at almost 200 miles an hour, and right. you're just committing to it. That's that's wild. Like, for me, that's I don't think that's one of the worst tracks. I think that's one of, like, the, the scariest yeah, tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the wildest track. It's like a Monaco-style high-speed spa track all in one. So, like, if you mix Monaco with the walls, the barriers, mm -hmm. but then the high-speed nature of, of a spa all in one. Yeah. It's a great track, in my opinion. I like it. I love it. But they I are mean, making some changes. They did make some changes this they year. They did, right? yeah. I think they did push some walls back a little. They mm -hmm. tried to make it a little bit safer, but right. you can only do so much. So, I think there's the next question that we had written down. What does it take to become an F1 racing driver? Wow. Man, that is such a massive question. There's so much to to talk about when it comes to what it takes to be an F1 driver. But I mean, from like, what what does it take for you? Um, from a physical aspect, I think you have to be in great shape. I mean, a lot of these guys are they're like semi-professional triathletes, um, and people with just uber levels of fitness. Um, it takes fighter pilot focus um and i'm gonna sound corny i think it takes a love for motorsports yeah you have to love what you do when yeah. you're at the top level yeah. of, of what you're doing and you have to be uh you got to be millimeter perfect i heard a story this was not about an f1 driver but another a, a driver a couple steps below f1 in formula three who was racing in f3 with a billionaire father mm -hmm. and and i i personally i don't know this guy i don't know i don't even know what his name is this is a story that i heard mm -hmm. and this kid basically told his dad if he doesn't get this car for his 16th birthday if his father doesn't buy him this car it might have been the 17th right if he doesn't buy him the car he's not racing this weekend jeez okay so do you think that kid loves motorsport or do you think he's just in it because his dad wants him to be in there yeah, I mean... That kid's not going to make it to F1. And I'll have to look that up and find out who the hell that was. And so, I hope I don't get anybody in trouble for, for basically bashing Basically what Tommy is saying, he's adding, uh, he's adding a point to that question. Not only does it take extreme athleticism and fitness, focus, love, it takes money <laughs> to be an So much driver. money. <laughs> Lots but of But it doesn't... I mean, all right, that's another thing that's amazing about Lewis's development and where how he made it to F1 and the fact that you know he talks about his parents his, his parents working three jobs right. just to just to get him just to get him carting right right like just to get him carting and then to be picked up at eight years old I right. believe right right by Mercedes it was McLaren that picked him up right right but it was like all part of the Mercedes group mm -hmm. um, pulling him in and being like you're gonna drive for you know actually Lewis says to Ron Dennis back then mm -hmm. like I'm going to drive for you one day. Right. Right. And the rest and, is history. And but he wasn't he wasn't some rich kid that had rich parents. He was just this driver that put in the hard work 
every day. He would drive with the worst equipment. He would and he would win. And I mean, it's just it's just wild to to see like somebody that goes from you know not having everything just handed to him and earning it and making right. it to F one and being the most successful driver in F one. I mean, you can't like you can't knock the guy. Right. He's the best driver in the sport. And he's in the best car, was in the best car. Um, I don't know. He might be in the best car. They might turn it around. Yeah, but, one spot But still, I mean, he earned it. Right. He, it wasn't given to him. Um, and it's because he loves F1. Yeah. I'm extremely impressed with Lewis Hamilton, but I'm very impressed with his father. Yeah. And, and I would say that his father is an inspiration um, for me and how I treat my kids. And I just have this deep desire to find out what my kids deep desires are Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to sponsor or to help sponsor or to find people that can help push their careers and their dreams forward yeah so I think that's what's amazing about Lewis Hamilton's dad I mean he gives a whole lot of credit to his dad it was his whole support system but I know he talks a lot about his dad and I'm just inspired by that so big ups to uh, Anthony Hamilton yeah that's that's pretty awesome to even say something like that because you don't really hear people even think about those things. But man, yeah, the dedication to your family, like what that takes as as the parent pushing for the kid's future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really important. And yeah. that's, you know, Philippe and I are both parents. Mm-hmm. I only have two kids. Philippe has like, you know, 20 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I got five children. <laughs> I got four boys and a baby girl. Yeah, and they're all... They're all going to be just amazing at everything they do, and they Thank have you. a huge, uh, huge amount of support coming from their dad. Thank you, but and, likewise uh, with your kids, yeah. man. Your kids, yeah, they work hard. They're doing great. Thank you, man. All right, so we'll get we'll get deeper into what it takes to become an F one driver and how you know what that road is and um, you know what what you need to accomplish before you can even think about being you know on the F one on an F one team. Um, but, uh, would you say that being an F1 driver, okay, for, for a a guy that's a racing goon, for somebody that's like, I'm, I want to be the top level driver in the world. Is it the best job in the world to be an F1 driver? Absolutely. It's the best job in the world. It's the best job in the world. I don't think anything is better than being an F1 driver. I mean, you got to work hard as hell for it. Being the best in your sport. And you've made it to the top. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, yeah. yeah I, mean, I feel like that's, that's like you've earned, you've finally proven that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm this quality of, a, of an athlete. Yeah. And I, you know, this is what I've always wanted and I've worked so hard for it. I don't know how many professional um, soccer players there are, but I know it's a lot more than 20. I don't, I, I think there are what, 400 professional NBA players, right? Um, there are well over 2,000 professional NFL players, um, but it's only 20 F1 drivers. Yeah. Think about that a minute. It's only 20 F1 drivers, and these are regarded as some of the best drivers in the world. Um, I wouldn't say all of them are the best, but I would say 75% of them, of the, the drivers that are on the grid right now are the best in the world. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I'd agree for sure. Yeah. It's, it's you have to be good at this sport, especially if you want to win. Um, it's, it's, I think it's the best job in the world. You're traveling to 16, 17 different countries. You 
you're standing, like Tommy said earlier, you're standing in the best hotels, and if you're good, you're getting paid a lot of money. I mean, I think Lewis Hamilton is worth three, four hundred million dollars, something like God, that. Man. Yeah. Um, you get the race for these incredible companies. I can't see what's better than this. You got two thousand people supporting you, wanting you to win. I don't know what's better than that. I really don't. Mm. Taking it to the top level and just dominating yeah. at your craft. It's just, yeah. I would say, if, if that's what you wanted all your life, I would say that would, how could that not be the best job in yeah. the world? Yeah. yeah. I would take you want to dig into Fantasy League? I think we should talk about Fantasy League. So, so we have a F1 Fantasy League on an app called Grid Rival. And we're going to put a link in the podcast um, in the description. You can click on that and you can join our league. Um, we started this league late. We're only one race in. Um, we're on summer break right now, so we don't get back on track until the end of August. Right. Um, so join the league if you want. Jump in. Pick your team. Um, pick your drivers. And let's have some fun. See what, see what happens. We're only one race in. There's still a long way to go. Maybe we'll give the winner a, a t-shirt. How about that? A Make t-shirt. a really nice Racing Goons t-shirt with our logo. Maybe we'll feature our logo for the first time on that t-shirt of the winner. I like it. Let's do it. Bet. All right, there you go. Winner gets a t-shirt. Winner gets a nice t-shirt. One size fits all. Well, <laughs> well you got to tell us what your size is. You know? <laughs> but with that t-shirt, I imagine you'll get to see our uh, logos and everything You know, we're working on in the future. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have some fun. But, all right, guys. Well, hey, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to say thanks first to to Andrew, AE2 Creative. He's the one that's kind of helping us get this thing up off the ground and moving. Philippe and I have been talking about doing this for, shit, I don't know, seven, eight years. We we just talk about cars. We talk about family. We talk about racing. We talk about everything. But we just love talking F1. Um, So so we're just excited to make this thing happen and and just – spend time and and thanks again for for joining us thank you brother all right man y'all have a good night night guys or day later or night (laughs) 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 that was cool